Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. That's cool. Um, well, today we're going to talk about and now we're going we're going back to standard standard formulation here today. Um, I I don't know if you heard it. At one point I said it, but I wasn't sure if you actually were getting audio. So I'm gonna we're gonna play twenty questions. Um, mm. Love this game. What animal do you think we're talking about today? Or do you already so, know? I don't remember. I don't oh, know. Cool, we had cool, some cool. fun fun time getting this one set up today. That took um, half an hour. <laughs> that took yeah. half an hour. Half, half an hour of us doing some behind the scenes hope, audio work. Yeah, I, I hope we, we have eliminated that issue. <laughs> um, anyway... All right, so uh, you want yeah. me to ask you the questions, or are yeah. you going to ask me um, the questions? You you have, oh, I guess, um, <laughs> how does this game work? Uh, I think you I have to ask the you the questions. Yeah. 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 All right, does it have hair? Yes. Okay, is it a mammal? Yes. You're on okay. fire. Does it walk on two legs? No. Does it walk on four legs? Yes. Okay. Is it over 500 pounds? Yes. Mm. Does it have a trunk? No. (laughs) No. Oh. Does it have a stuffed animal named after a president? No. Oh, shoot. Does it eat meat? No. Oh, so it's a big... Is it a giraffe? No. Oh. I'll give you a hint. Um, they're all over the place in our neck of the woods. Oh, is it a moose? No. Ah. But... What's a little smaller than a moose? Is it elk? It's elk. It's elk. We're doing elk. We're doing elk, elk, and we're gonna. Yeah, me, dude, me too. We'll 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 have to we'll we'll definitely have to talk about some elk experiences and how nice elk are. Oh yeah. Um, today we're gonna focus on a couple of different elk populations, literally two. Um, Ooh. Which you know, selfishly, some Montana elk. Okay. And selfishly, some. Pennsylvania elk. Oh, the pen. They have elk in Pennsylvania. Not something you hear every day, is it? There, no. <laughs> that is a Western-only animal to me. Uh-uh, girlfriend. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't remember when I learned this, but I was like, "You're kidding me." There's elk in Pennsylvania. What a strange phenomenon. I, I think everybody's well. Maybe you aren't. So what does an elk look like? It kind of looks like a deer. It kind of looks like a moose. Um, it's, it's, it's the second largest uh, deer. Deer being, uh, you know, like a moose, elk, red deer, white tail, mule kind of a thing. The uh, Shawnee and Cree word for it is wapiti. So you can take that home and put it in your pocket. Um, a male elk ranges from about four to five feet tall, and their antlers can come in at another four feet. 
That's a large creature. That's a it's like nine, a nine foot. foot tall. And that doesn't surprise me. I'm thinking about one close encounter with an elk I had where it was it was nice. I was in the Grand Canyon. So I was in Ooh. Arizona. I wasn't in the canyon, but I was I was driving out of the park and um I just, I'm like, you know, traffic slows up and I'm like, ah, what's going on? And then I look and there's a big old bull right there. And it's just like, dang, that's a big animal. And I, I, at that point, I didn't even know they were in Arizona, but. I didn't know that either. Yeah, they're, they do be all over the place. Uh, Also in California, you know, the Dakotas just kind of sprinkled all over the Rockies and Sierras and whatnot. Um. So, yeah, that's a fun thing. Um, so, yeah, of course, you know the bulls. They, they get those yearly antlers. Those antlers, they come in in uh, the spring, early spring. And it's a constant cycle. They, they immediately come on and they, they fall off, which is interesting. I think one of my favorite things about elk is the noises they make. Ah, oh, the bugle. Yeah, you've heard the elk and the elk rut. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have which, had some pretty cool experiences with that. Yeah? Well, tell me more. Yeah, so I remember it was a couple years ago. I had just gotten back from Thunderbird. Oh. Um, as per usual. And, yeah. Yep, as per usual. Um, you know, so I was camping all summer. <clears throat> fall rolled around. I was like, you know what I'm in the mood for? Some camping. Um, yeah. So went out to camp over in the Snowy Range, um, which is the mountain range near Laramie. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't bring a sleeping pad. I kind of just rushed job camped because I was just missing going outside. Um, yeah. It's freezing cold. I'm not sleeping Classic. well. And so I wake up in the middle of the night. And I'm sitting there. It's pitch black in the tent. And just thinking, what what am I doing here? This is... This is a lot. I'm getting a little bit overwhelmed. (laughs) I feel like I've made poor choices, and I definitely made some poor choices. But it all came to fruition, because as I'm sitting in the tent, just trying to keep warm, just I hear it just off softly in the distance. Screaming elk noises. I was like, oh, it's beautiful noise. Worth it. Beautiful. Oh, and as you, I walked out of the tent, stars were out, and I was like, you know, this, this is why. This is why we do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, gonna come right back at you with another Thunderbird story. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So we were in uh, the where were we? The Bighorns, aka Ungulate Heaven. Um, so we had been having a great couple of days. We saw probably five moose, some pretty close up, some bulls from a great distance, just really nice. And then when we went backpacking, although we didn't see them, we had a whole herd pass very close by and they were bugling literally all night. Um, and if you've ever heard the deer enthusiast intro, it was recorded that night, which is an elk bugling yeah so So i I definitely freaking love elk Mm -hmm. some other noises they make um are mews and squalls those are specific to uh the cows uh the ladies 
And those are just other communicative tools for them. Um, and they, they all also bark in case of danger. Hmm. Never I didn't, thought I'd I heard look, an at, elk look go at that wolf. sound. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully we can find some. We'll put it in here. But yeah, I've never, I've only heard bugling. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought oh, that was interesting. Um, so there's a, I, I never, okay, so there's a little bit of d- debate whether elk and red deer are the same animal basically some people consider them to be the same species it seems popular to not consider them as the same species they're significantly larger deer uh the elk are significantly larger than red-tailed deer in some cases like twice the size i know I, i said how tall they are but i did want to add that a male elk can get up to about eight to nine hundred pounds or eight to seven to eleven hundred my mistake and the cows are at around five to six hundred pounds big hosses big thickums thickums over there <laughs> and all, <laughs> all they do is eat all they i mean they, they're grazers they're just looking for food all day every day um like we said they can be found um in many of the high mountainous region, regions of the west you know down to S- southern california and I believe they, they are smaller in Southern California because there's not as much food. Um, they can also be found in the mountains of Central Asia. Ooh. Not to mention a select place in the East. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so an interesting interesting part about the uh well i don't know if it's that interesting but i'm sure you're here because you like mundane animal facts <laughs> um so a little bit about their migration habits here in montana uh following the first snowstorm uh well before the first snowstorm you'll have the elk in higher mountainous regions grazing but once the first long snowstorm comes in around this time of the year november uh, they're going to mm-hmm. start going to lower elevations so they'll do spring and winter among kind of the the uh sun river and then okay. they'll be moving uh towards the bob marshall wilderness in the summer um and an interesting controversy contra- conservation story sorry I had the word capitalism in my head and it just made a, a sentence sandwich everything was on top of each other <laughs> just ruining everything per usual capitalism yes, on the brain usual. So an interesting thing about the Flathead and the Sun River management area, uh, it was privately owned for a while, and um, I don't, I'm not sure how much acreage it is, uh, but I, we're talking thousands of acres here. Um, but basically, the person who owned it, um, what it was wanting to sell it in 1947. He wanted to sell that area, which was great because um, elk were are, a big thing for elk is losing habitat. That's the reason. That's a major reason why you know we've gone down. So many gosh darn elk is because there's they're losing habitat. So they on a Saturday at 11 a.m. when the banks closed at noon, the deal was offered to uh, the Montana Fish and Game Commission, mm-hmm. and they had one hour to buy it. And this Pretty is in 47, schedule. too, so it's not even like you could just hop online and take care of everything. 
yeah. or whatever. But uh, thankfully, two nice, well-to-do people uh, bought bought it. Well, they went in on the land, bought it right away, and held it for the Montana fishing game. It's pretty awesome. Wilderness or uh, you know whatever <laughs> Montana fishing game commission. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. It was nice of those people to do that. Um, what would be nicer is setting aside most of the land as wildlife areas. But hey, we'll take what we can get, baby. Yeah, I say. Yeah, it's always interesting too because I I know a lot of people they talk about the idea that like oh you know this conservation and this this idea of you know saving animals and saving nature is like these new young people thing but i mean as you can tell like back in the 40s they are doing that they are mm-hmm. taking initiatives to save like beautiful pieces of land for beings not like ourselves yeah conservation not- is never going out of style if you ask no nah. Always look. It's fitting on everyone. Yeah, Yeah. we love conservation. So a little bit about the life cycle. Calves are born at forty-five pounds, so you know, like a medium-sized dog, and they gain two pounds per day in their first few months of life. Ooh, living the friggin' dream. (laughs) I say, just beefing up, bulking up. It's bulking season for these things. Bulking, bulking season. That's a little something about those. So once the elk are in their bachelor herds, they feed, feed, feed. You know, that's going to kind of start happening um, in the fall, winter, spring. They're just eating, eating, eating. By summer, their antlers stop receiving blood. So that's interesting. Uh, Generally, you know, while they're growing, they're covered in velvet. They're receiving blood. Mm -hmm. But then the blood, I think, at the beginning of summer cuts off. And they, the velvet sheds, and they will um, rub them against trees to get the velvet off. And it also ends up sharpening their uh, antlers for the rut. So they can stab mm. their opponents and keep their harems. And what a harem is, that is basically a bunch of females that the uh, male is mating with. So males trying to hold down like four or five girlfriends and fight off the intruding male who's trying to steal his ladies. Okay. So just... Pretty, um, pretty metal. So ju- it, it's always just like one male. Uh, it, precisely. It's not... They're not sharing. Okay, so it's not like a herd where you maybe see like two or three with like a bunch of ladies around. No, it's, it's definitely just... going to be like... Uh, that male is trying to have as many females just for him as he can. And he's okay. going to fight... Fight say, to do the they, death to make I was say, that, I, that was that was my next question. I was like, is it always like trying to kill them, or is it just trying to like get them I don't out think, of there? You know, I think it's just trying to get them out of there. I'm sure death is a natural, um, you know, byproduct of it. I'm sure that can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you break a leg, you get a nice stab that gets infected, you get eaten by wolves. You know, that's probably the consequence of losing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> Incidental killings. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly, and uh, so that is uh, September that marks that marks the rut. They mostly eat grass, twigs, and they will occasionally eat fruit, uh, Ooh, but they're it. definitely trying to munch on grass. Uh, there are some other barks that they eat, but we'll come back to that. Um, 
So not 100 million, 10 million. That sounds that sounds more right. Okay. So there were 10 million elk in North America before colonization. By the early 1900s, they were whittled down to 41,000. Not good. Not a good look. I'm going to be real. No. That's 10 million to 41,000. And of course, we are back, at least by 2014, they were at 1 million. I'm sure those numbers have increased by now. Um, but good conservation effort. Um, but that's yeah, crazy. So interestingly enough, like like we like we mentioned earlier, there's a there's a little place in Pennsylvania. Yeah, wh- where is this? Well, boots think it's in Elk County, Pennsylvania. I thought it was going to be in Hershey. I'm going to be real with you. Um, no, that's probably about three or four hours from Hershey. I think. Oh, okay. I only just know of Hershey, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Big, you know, that's fair. It's a big state. It's a big state. Uh, but no. No, there's a there's Philadelphia, there's Pittsburgh, there's Hershey, and there's Elk County, Pennsylvania. Those um, are the only three places, or four places. Those are the only three, four places. Um, actually, this is if for all our Pennsylvania heads out there, you're gonna learn some stuff about PA, which is exciting, being my state of origin. Um, so there's the Elk County Visitor Center in uh, Benezet, Pennsylvania, which is in that county, I believe, or right next to it. Um, so at one point, there was about 100,000 elk in Pennsylvania, which isn't a surprise with those numbers. Yeah, but by the 1860s, they were removed. The 1860s seems like a popular time uh, to kill all the animals in the area. Which, of course, you know, that's the, the Industrial Revolution time. And um, so logging. Does it coincide and... with the Civil War? No, but that's all kind of, you know, there's the, you say, you uh, say I, I feel like the cacophony of uh, things that happen. And I mean, right, because the Civil War, you see increased death with increased technology. And that's, of course, a common theme in every conflict throughout history <laughs> and yeah. especially post-industrial revolution when killing gets easier um and whatnot of course we don't really see the full uh caliber of that industrial revolution war till world war one kind of mm-hmm. but, um, so i don't think it has really much in common with the civil war except that of continued industrialization and okay. war is historically historically an excuse for the government to not care about anything but murder and profit so mm-hmm. in that way you're right but <laughs> yeah why would you care about elk in the wartime yeah yeah um what do you think their hooves are made out of is it the same material that their antlers are made out of no is it I don't know. Is it like the rhinoceros where it's one big hair? I'll give you I'll give you one what? Wait, what'd you say? Oh, I say, well, didn't you know like isn't like the rhinoceros horn? I always think I remember that one, it's always made out of hair, so I was like, maybe do they have hairy feet? Yeah, so what's hair made out of? I don't know. I didn't I, I'm not a What I'm are your fingernails made out of? <laughs> fingernails? I actually don't keratin. know. This. I, keratin. Okay, I say I nearly flunked out of all bio classes. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their hooves are made out of keratin. Uh, so that's a little fun fact. Um, 
So, kind of crazy, in the early uh, 1900s, um, some white boys were sitting around like, hey, we should get some should get some elk over here. Actually, what was really happening is there had been a really great initiative to preserve the Rocky Mountain elk in Yellowstone National Park. Okay. But uh, their population was getting a little overwhelming, and they were getting hit with really long, hard winters. So a significant okay. portion of the population was dying out from starvation. Um, so what they did was uh, they shipped some to Pennsylvania. Why not? Why not? First class, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, exactly. I'll buy railroad. And re- the railroad d- days seem pretty fun. TVH. So they shipped about a hundred at that point. To, I think to get started, um, they shipped about a hundred elk to PA, <clears throat> which is wild. Um, because you know the, the the habitat is pretty pretty straightforward, and um, like deer and many of those those uh, ungulate critters, they really like uh, you know some open fields to graze on. Um, mm-hmm. So Pennsylvania had that, and we'll talk about how they've made more of that. Um, well, basically, ironically, the uh, wildfires, or not wildfires, uh, logging. Logging created mm-hmm. a lot of different uh, areas that were actually pretty good for elk because they chopped down the trees and there's a bunch of fresh vegetation. Um, ideally, however, you pretty much, you kind of want to mix, you want old growth and new growth in there for them to eat. Okay. Um, but it was nice that Pennsylvania kind of, they were able to redeem that. And a lot of the Pennsylvania story is going to kind of be, a be, a a redemption story for the environment, which is charming. Um, what time do you think would be the best time to see an elk? Well, I imagine it's it's rut season when when they're uh, time of looking day. for time ladies. Of day. Oh, what okay. time of day? What time of day? Well, if they're looking for ladies, probably happy hour since they're looking for ladies. Um, I'm guessing more <laughs> that's, around that's, the evening you're time. You're not wrong. Exactly, happy hour, and so early morning and uh, evening, evenings. Uh, so like dusk. And okay. um, what do you know? What that behavior is called when they're more active at those times? It's not nocturnal. No. I I don't know then. Crepuscular. They're Kerp- crepuscular creatures. It's a good word. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. And if mm-hmm. you get the order right, next time I see you, I'm buying you a cold, frosty beer. Ooh, shoot. I better get this right then. Okay. And I'm going to make this easy for you, okay? Okay. Okay. So we're going to... Uh, we're, there's there's four. We're going to talk about the four main type of deer. Okay, we got four deer. Deer being the category of these creatures, mm-hmm. you kind of get this idea, right? How there's more than one, yeah, right? We, you get yeah, that. yeah, we got four. Okay, can you, in order, from largest to smallest, tell me the um, what the or the size order of these creatures? So, what are the top? What what in order? What are the sizes of the four types of deer? And these are like the North American deer, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, so number one is moose. Yeah. Yep. Number one is moose. Number two is the elk. 
Told you that earlier, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, so you got me there. Number three is a white-tailed deer. No. Oh, shit. This is hard. All right, you know what? Let's back up. Well, it's actually obvious now if I tell you. I can't really give you a hint, so I'm just going to tell you. Okay. Honestly, I'd probably buy you a beer anyway just because I like you. But um, it in order, <laughs> it's moose, elk, caribou, a.k.a. Uh, reindeer. The reindeer. Um, then deer. Just deer. You know, mule deer, white tails. Mule deer, white tails, all that kind of yeah. jazz. So, yeah. So that's uh that's that size order. So sorry, kid. You're not going to Disney World, but um shoot. You know, it's okay. Um and I gotta say, for the for the elk that did get moved to Pennsylvania, in some ways it's kind of a lottery when you think about it. Like I mean, when you think about predatory species in Yellowstone, you're gonna think of uh, grizzly bears. Mountain yep. lions, wolves. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, by that Depends time, did have you any know, of those? None. They did. They had wolves and mountain lions, but um, those Listen were to our previous to episode. Extinction. Yeah, exactly. They were all hunted <laughs> to, to learn all about the mountain lion <laughs> in the east, which is BS. Bring them back. Bring back wolves and mountain lions. Put them on a train. Let's just do it. Let's just Choo-choo! get animal trains, dude. Bring, I mean, I gotta say, I, you know, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but the train, like, I wish we had really nice public trains because it sounds like so fun. Back in the day, you know, people would take the train to Elk County with their buddies and their rifles, mm-hmm. and they would go and they'd do their elk hunting and take the train back. They would just get her get around by railroad. That sounds, sounds like cool. so much fun. You, you know, I don't have to worry about getting like a truck or something to like haul a dead. Cart. did they okay Listen. so when they hunted the the elk yeah. did they just like they you know obviously you have to do your put dressing and <laughs> <laughs> no they just weekend at bernie's the elk on the train yeah oh jim no he's fine he's he's a quiet yeah. little elk he won't bother anybody oh <laughs> oh he is just drinking cherry juice that silly guy he's a real mess no don't wake him up build uh, yeah so really the only predators they have would be like coyotes and people. And I mean, a coyote's not, you know, they're not, I'm thinking not going for bulls, but probably trying to, you know, thinking about some calves or smaller or sick yeah. elk. Yeah, just, um, just get the stragglers. Yeah. I mean, there's not, not too much. There's bobcats, there's lynx, but they're not going for an elk. No. no. Um, so how big <laughs> is that population now? We'll get to that. I have that in my notes. I think it's about a thousand. No, fourteen hundred. I want to say it's fourteen hundred. Yeah, that's pretty so, good. Fourteen times the elk in yeah, like eighty, 80, like a, uh, over a hundred years, sixty years. Well, didn't no, I thought you said they uh, moved them in the sixties? Oh, no, 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 no. That was um. No, wait. Did you say sixties? Yeah, I might be mishearing things. No, I, I that's good. okay. I didn't really give you a year. So this, I think the initiative uh, started in uh, nineteen, like like nineteen twelve. Oh, uh, okay. So it's it's been about a little over a hundred years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but regardless, tremendous, especially when we talk about the land that they chose for these critters. Okay. It it just paints a really great conservation success story. Um, so if you do find yourself in Pennsylvania, uh, I 
about four hours west of Philadelphia. You can go to Winslow Hill for elk viewing. I think they're there pretty consistently. Um, uh, I believe hunting is legal. I think there's a lot of rules since the population's pretty low, but I know from 21 to 36, they had to be at least a four point buck. Um, but you know, why not kill older critters? So the population went from about a hundred and kind of like varied up to 600, then back down in 1936, there were only 14 elk left in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Not great. Um, not good. So uh, there is, you know, there. I, I think basically it was a mix of, um, I think probably just them trying to get that land right and um, conserve. Farmers didn't really like the elk because elk eat crops, mm-hmm. um, so they weren't a big fan. And a uh, brainworm, you know, brainworms been is an issue with the elk. They get brainworms. Okay. So, oh, here's the big thing that really hurt them, though, was strip mining in 48. Okay. So another interesting thing of how war shapes society, uh, post-World War II, uh, you know, basically a significant portion of the young people in that Pennsylvania land were killed in the war, and those who did returned didn't really feel content living in the country anymore. They'd seen the world and... A lot of action, so they, they moved off to more metropolitan areas to leave behind farming. So the uh, old heads over there had ended up just selling off the land to uh, mm-hmm. for coal. Uh, the coal was pretty much right below the surface in PA, so it was okay. they had really, really easy access to it. And of course, um, you know, this is this is gonna this this one's for all, uh, all the libertarians out there. Uh, so there were no mining regulations. So they decimated the land. Decimated. Hey, you know, it's a it, free market. Free market, baby. That's all. The market's going to regulate itself. <laughs> it, it, it's going to do it. It's Guys, I promise they're doing the money thing out of the kindness of their hearts, not greed. <laughs> Donald Trump doesn't need to be president. We don't need president. We just need um, a CEO of America. I mean, it does seem more appropriate, but I don't think it'll be helpful. So eventually, um, some government regulation did has stepped in for some of the strip mining, which I think is a good thing. A little fun fact, uh, there's a nearby town called Centralia in Pennsylvania. With good name. I, I don't know when did it start. So basically, there's been a coal fire there for... It's just never going out. There's a coal fire that oh, yeah. will never I, go out. I think I've heard about this one. It's just, it's all underneath the ground, right? There's just a yep. fire burning under the earth's surface. And yep. it's a toxic waste hazard because producing just like insane amounts of gases and toxic smoke from what I've yep. read and heard about. So it's literally just this uninhabitable area. Yep. Yeah, you used to be able to like walk all all around it, but I think they have uh, like pretty recently in the last few years they've kind of cut off some of the okay. access for health concerns. And I think it's I I know people who have gone gone over there. I think I actually have friends who might have shot a doc over there. Maybe they're shooting a movie, but um, they did say it was like they had a very strange experience. I think uh, 
I think they had like one Asian woman with them and they ended up just kind of getting harassed by these like, you know, like redneck on a four, four, uh, four wheeler. That's no fun. Yeah. But that's the middle of Pennsylvania for you. Um, <clears throat> so that's, uh, those are some, uh, some coal, Pennsylvania coal facts. Um, so eventually they started, uh, trying to work on these things. Um, they, they made, they took the initiative to make sure elk stay on selected public land zones. So that, that helps some of the human elk conflict. Um, they had specific hunt zones, which is, you know, good for conservation. The hunters seem pretty respectful of the elk over there, which is cool. They never really became part of the problem. It really was just the uh, strip mining. Okay, that's always um, good to hear. So, okay, so the, so at this point, the land over there has been decimated. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so the acid levels in the nearby water sources are about 4.1. I'm guessing that's pretty high. Yeah, so basically it's like a golf situation. The lower, the more acidic. Um, Mm -hmm. So a healthy water source would be around 7 to 9 pH. Uh, So basically nothing nothing can grow in that. Nothing, no fish, no bugs, no grass. Too acidic. No good. But, however, the... um, The, uh, the government, the uh, environmental services, teamed up with uh, a papermaking company, well, with papermaking companies in Pennsylvania, a.k.a. Dunder Mifflin. Uh, is it a real company? No, but okay. it, would be, it, would be like Dun- it would be like Dunder Mifflin. It would be like that paper company in that area. So they teamed up with paper companies um, to use their waste because apparently in their waste is a lot of lime, which is basic cancel each other out exactly exactly um in doing that they were able to uh really heal a lot of the um of these areas and uh bring balanced ph levels and bring back you know minnows basically where they're where in i think there was beaver beaver creek was an area that was completely dead and um, at this point now there's bugs, there's minnows, and in some cases, like downriver a bit, there's a brown trout. So it's making so, it bounce back. It's bouncing back, and it's like, you know, it's a definitely a hopeful story and definitely a win. Um, yeah. So kind of going back into their environment, uh, there's, they're in this forest called the Susquehannock Forest. Okay. It's a lovely forest. It's 265,000 acres. And um, it connects right to the Black Forest. And both of those are probably the best The best Pennsylvania has to offer. There's, um, there's a dark zone, a 50-square-mile dark zone there that's considered one of the best star-viewing areas in the world called uh, Cherry Springs. Okay. And I got to say, I went hiking. I went backpacking in the Susquehannock and the Black Forest in that dark zone for my birthday one year. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a meteor shower, and it was insane. I'd Sounds pretty. Never choice. seen anything like it. Yeah, it was like the whole shebang, like meteors flying through the air, exploding as they come into the atmosphere. It was bonkers. Yeah, yeah. So 
little underrated uh, Pennsylvania story there. Seems like Pennsylvania is the place to visit. That's all I'm hearing. Yeah, honestly. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, so uh, part of the Susquehannock, it, it is a timber forest. It was used for timber, which is another reason why... Um, why it was a successful environment because they were taking down a lot of trees but they did leave enough old growth and um that that makes for ideal elk habitat a nice mix of everything they also they do uh, do a lot of mowing they just mow fields for okay. for them in those view in uh, in pennsylvania but it's a you know, connects actually you could connect this to wildfires and the importance of wildfires and those natural cycles um because basically wildfires create um create those environments for elk which i thought think is cool very naturally so one of the importance of wildfires and prescribed burns uh could be making better habitat for elk and that definitely happens in the west prescribed burns are part of elk conservation okay so yeah it was February 7th, 1916 was the first shipment of elk. So that's that's exactly when it got started. Um, and the last elk was shot in Philadelphia in the 1700s. Oh, wow. And so yeah. It had been a sec. Yeah. Um, it took a while. It took a while, though. Or no, let me let me rephrase that. It was 1867. The last elk oh, okay. in Philadelphia was shot in 1867. Um, it took a long time for people to actually really get to the hills of Pennsylvania and really get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was prior to that, Lenny Lenape and Seneca land. and uh, But when the white man came over, they slaughtered them by the thousands. They just, no, no respect, no regard for the species. In many cases, they weren't even killed for the meat, just for the hide. For the high, probably just to also decimate a First Nations community. Yeah, who relied major on major win-win if you're messed up in the head. Um, yeah. But pretty dark, pretty dark stuff, and um, oh, it's just sickening, you know. It is just sickening what what uh, European colonialists have done to the environment. Um, so know, over time, like, the land. Oh, sorry. Uh, please continue. Okay. Oh, no, I was going to say, I was like, it's always interesting to me because, like, the prime example of that European colonialism is you read about stuff, revolutionary time frame, you know, America's yeah, becoming sure. its own country and stuff. And they're like, ah, oh, yes, what a pristine wilderness, Ohio. That is the, that was, that was like the golden standard of American wilderness. Like, they were like, it's yeah. the most beautiful place on earth. And then no one thinks of Ohio as the pristine wilderness of the united states anymore because you know everyone started going well yeah let's just colonize it let's just go over there and let's wreck just house go and... 400 walmarts let's just walmart after walmart after walmart cornfield 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 walmart, i know i say cornfield it's walmart. a beautiful wilderness great place for a dollar general <laughs> there's so many dollar generals and they i can't even like i've never gone into a dollar general and been like yep i'm gonna buy this I've gone into a Dollar General and been like, yeah. I, like, it's I think only out I, of desperation for myself. Yeah, Dollar like General? during Thunderbird, the kids would go into Dollar General and buy junk food. 
like it'd be like ooh, dollar general well 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 <laughs> god i'm glad my thunderbird experience at least when i was there they were too young so we sat there and we're like great you stay in the car you're never allowed in the dollar general or the walmart <laughs> them going into dolly general is the least of our concerns <laughs> <laughs> um so over time the land was stolen and um you know kind of purchased for timber you know i hate when people do say like oh well you know they made a fair deal like no you didn't you came in with a very different way of thinking and then took things by force and destroyed it like that's not an accomplishment (laughs) no you you didn't do good no pats on the back for this garbage yeah so in this time period in the 1860s you know, that's, we get rid of the mountain lion, we get rid of the wolf. Um, I mean, the mountain lions, I do think they lingered through the 1900s, I kind of forget. I remember I, there was one mountain lion sighting in Pennsylvania in, I think, 1967, but that was thought to be um, a private collection and was shot and killed. I think, I want to say early 1900s, they were considered extinct, though. Mm. Um, but it is a hot topic whether... There are mountain lions in Pennsylvania. I mean, I mean there are... you know a guy who who's oh who's right, seen right, right. Yeah. Well, I, I actually I talked to him about that story recently. I talked to Nate about it, and uh, he never. So what happened is there was something bothering him in his tent that night, and on his way the next day, someone said, "You know, watch out for the black puma." But he said, "I think I forget." Nate said. But it was also coming from some guy with a really squished face, whatever that means. I would guess maybe maybe someone who like drinks a lot and doesn't have any teeth and their face is wrinkled and rolling in. You know, we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to get an interview with Nate on to square the story. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, But I mean, if if that is true, that does kind of support the private collection theory that there are mm-hmm. mountain lions from people's private collections which is possible um yeah, it happens my cousin marlene who lives in upstate new york was working as a vet tech and one day somebody brought in a wolf there in new york where there aren't wolves yeah and conclude it it was just escaped from somebody's private collection and got hit by a car unfortunately scary if someone just brings a wolf into your vet clinic you know, you're sitting there like oh my cat it's, it's not feeling good or oh my dog it, 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 it ate a chicken bone we need to get it out and here's a wolf and <laughs> just here's full-on predator animal right in your lap can you fix it right um yeah so i don't know I there there's there's a lot of uh, hubbubs sometimes on fa- like I, I would say once or twice a year a mountain lion gets reported in Pennsylvania, and see, once in twice, yeah. But but you say we we hear about the mountain lions in Pennsylvania, but like and I've even heard this one before. You know, you you look at Penn State, you know the mascot and whatnot. You see like allusions to it, but no one's ever talking about this Pennsylvania elk, which sounds really cool, and you can right. actually go and see the things. Right. Right. I agree. Um, yeah, there was a mountain lion reported, I would say, two months ago, but it turned out to be a large cat. Just a just mm. a cat. Just a kid. Just big. Just, just big. <laughs> Forced perspective on the camera. Gets confusing. Okay. <clears throat> 
so as soon as they so back to uh back to paper as soon as they put this lime down within that first year they're able to grow oats and wheat on the land within one year of putting lime on the land they're able to grow crops which is awesome just from throwing down paper product that's so yeah so that ph goes from 4.7 i think it was or 4.1 to 7.2 in 20 years um now these these mines are you know they're on their way but for a long time they're still just leaking sulfuric acid um so pennsylvania made some passive treatment ponds which treats the water as it flows um and that fixes the ph level um but you know th- there there had been that issue of what what do you do with these so it's just kind of this mix of those treatment plants um removing removing the walls of the mines trying to insert growth trying to insert plants but it's it can be tough when you know there's acid leaking out of a hole in the wall um so yeah um some other chemicals in there would be iron uh, aluminum sulfur like i said and um so though that water moves down and uh, goes through the treatment plants into it was actually oh, and I just had a pond here oh yeah into Porcupine Hollow Run for all of our Pennsylvanians like I mentioned the species in there can now vary from mayflies minnows brown trout and whatnot um, some of the Pennsylvanians elk's favorite trees are maple aspens oaks beech and brush beech trees your beech tree brush or beech brush trees i think that's it um and one thing they really like is after the timbers cut the new blackberry thickets mixed up in the uh in the shrubbage is a big win they also eat the bark of those trees i mentioned they have very thick gums to be able to do it don't um, they like scrape their teeth on them too yeah yeah they scrape like- their teeth yeah, like it's just a giant underbite. I've I've seen it a little bit. Uh, I mean, my ventures in the Rockies on the aspen. They love just like crushing aspen bark. Yeah, Do, I mean, who doesn't love just crushing some aspen? Yeah, you know, just wind down after work. It's been a long day. Just take my front two bottom teeth and I just go up to the aspen trees and just start just scraping, trying to get the innards. <laughs> exactly um exactly so the area is expanded it started with about 200 square miles um throughout throughout the years they did expand those elk areas they actually they originally planted elk in five different counties but only about one it just the one area ended up working out so all all the other four populations unfortunately perished or whatnot um and I think it was just that human elk conflict that just, and it sounds like Pennsylvania has done a lot of work to make the elk work out for them in terms of like keeping that public land clear with good food, and keeping it clean. It seems like it takes a lot of work, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, what started as 200 square miles has expanded to a thousand square miles, which is great. Um, back to Winslow Hill. People described in the 70s seeing about 30 to 50 elk on that hill. Now they see up to 200 elk at once. 
in those herds, which is awesome. Um, currently, the things that they are facing is chronic wasting disease, which we've talked about. And the, the thing about that is, you know, they're about 100 out of these, you know, uh, yeah, 1,400 elk have chronic wasting disease. So that's like a pretty significant portion of a yeah, population, you know? And it's uh, highly contagious too, which is exactly very concerning. Yeah. So when you have a pretty small, fragile population, you know, it could, it could wipe out the whole species at some point. So that would be a bummer. Not this, you know, that, that, that species of Eastern elk or mm-hmm. however you want to say it. Um, yeah, so that's everything I got to say about elk. Hey, you know what? Elk are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I am definitely excited to see Pennsylvania elk someday. I don't think I've seen them, even though I've been pretty close to their habitats. I I mean, I was unaware. I was just unaware. Yeah. But, hey, you know, shout out to the people who actually decided to bring populations back to historic ranges and stuff like that. But also, like, make those changes, like... I mean, I wouldn't have thought of just grabbing some paper mush and throwing it in the river <laughs> to fix the plants. That's not normally what I'm thinking about. But, hey, someone was smart enough to do it. So shout out all these yeah. smart people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great conservation story. Love to see Pennsylvania doing it. But I, and I think there's another takeaway here as well. Mm-hmm. I With... I mean, there you could have a very cool uh, environmental tourism area, which would, there already is over on Winslow Hill and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I, I see such a clear opportunity. You know, this one's for all, all the capitalists out there, like to capitalize and create a really nice park system out there. I mean, part of me is, I mean, I like it how it is. Those, uh, those national forests are really special. And I mean, they are thick, my friend, thick yes. and lush. Um, and hilly and rocky. Um, Pennsylvania rocks. That's huh? I, I say I've always heard the Pennsylvania rocks um, from people I know who hike the yeah. Appalachian Trail. Yeah. They like to talk about the rocks on trail. Yeah. Well, and because the mountains used to be super tall over there, and over time they probably went down from over 10, 12, 13, 14,000 feet down to 3,000 feet. But like kind of spread out. Oh, they're very so there's rocks everywhere and lots of hills and a lot of straight Ancient up mountain hills. range. Ancient mountain range, baby. Because um, isn't it the so, oldest mountain range in the world? I don't know. Is that the case? It it's if if it's not the it's one of. Yeah. Appalachia's yeah. old. Yeah, old country out there. Old country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. uh yeah yeah so i think like... yeah bring back mountain lions and wolves which would regulate the population and you could just let them go just let them have yeah. some fun exactly um as long as people don't get too up in arms about it which we'll be covering i know a later episode. that is the yeah about what about which part the uh introduction of a wolf population i know to that's the thing populations you, but like, you look to the Yellowstone example, and who, buddy, people are still, still to this day, very, very polarized on that issue. 
It yeah, is a polarizing a, issue. That is true. It'll be a, it'll be a worthwhile episode. It's in the works. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I say do it. That's my take. Just they're, you know, they belong. Of course, they, I, you know, it is a different first. species of wolf that are that would be introduced. So that is tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what used to be here were prairie wolves, and they introduced gray wolves, which are much bigger than prairie wolves. Yeah. Um, but you kind of have, do have some larger, uh, coyotes from uh, the koi wolf mm-hmm. population that's, uh, do be roaming around out east. So. And something to look into. Let's something just to look into. Some more. Let's just get, let's, let's get some more conservation ship going. Yeah. Conservation ship. Learn how to live with predators and, I mean. Yeah. And then. Stop, and then they'll say, thankfully, people have learned their lesson to not hunt species to at least some species, not to extinction um, with the yeah. elk and bison populations are the two big ones that come yeah. to mind. When yeah, I think sure. North America hunting practices. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, just uh, end of the day, stop killing everything because you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> The end of the day, that was uh, the easiest way to look at it. Yeah, it's really hard for people to really get that through their head. Yeah. Well, I've been Boots. And I've been Tom. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Made for Walking. Yeah, we'll be back soon. Bye, everyone. Good job. <laughs> Bye. Bye.